Good morning. It is great to be with you this morning. How many of you came yesterday? Leslie yesterday? Okay. So when Leslie introduced us, she said that we got married very quickly. We actually met and married in six months. We were at seminary in the U.S. And one brief way that I knew that she was going to be my wife is that I, I took a football into the athletic center. Is there an athletic area here? Like a workout center? Okay. So I took a football, American football, into the athletic center. I said, who wants to go play football? And she and a few other people raised their hands. We went out to the field, and I said, hey, Leslie, give me a 15-yard post. So she ran out, ran a post pattern. I threw it to her. She caught it on the run. I thought, this is great. Touchdown. This is great. <laughs> and then, and then she turned and threw a 20-yard spiral back to me. I thought, I found her. <laughs> So I'm not very deep, not very deep, but it took me just maybe two weeks to know she'd already served God in, in South Africa and in Indonesia and in Pakistan. Like, we're already heading the same direction. So she was a cross-country runner in college. Said, Let's hold hands and run fast together for Jesus. So that's why we got married so quickly. So when I saw that he could play football, I thought, yay, he's an athlete who also loves Jesus and the nations. And I thought, this is a great package right here. And so we went on our first date, and I said, so tell me, what position did you play in football? And he said, well, in high school, I was a quarterback. And I said, well, I know, but the day we played football, you had on a Vanderbilt football shirt, so what position in at university did you play? He said, oh, I didn't play in college. I said, but you had on a football shirt. And he said, I was a cheerleader. Why are you laughing? <laughs> What's the problem? It was a little bit of a problem. My dad was a massive football player, American football, not soccer, American football. And so I called my dad and I said, Dad, he was a cheerleader. So we did have to take a little bit of time to figure that out. So our family is on the screen that you see. We have four children. We have Jolie, 13, Eden Samuel, the boy, and Phoebe, the little girl. Our second child actually lives with Jesus. We miscarried her very early in the pregnancy. But God is the author of life, so we honor the Creator, and we say we are parents of four. It's just that Joy gets to be with Jesus, and he gets to see her grow up a little bit before we do. So um, these are our children. Today, as we begin the conversation about male and female in partnership, I want you to know, missiologists and we as missiologists, we believe this is possibly the greatest strategy God created to reach the world, and it's the greatest strategy Satan attacks. If we could get this right, we might would see the Great Commission completed. The strategy, I believe, is so important. And Jesus seems to encourage us every time we preach on it because he shows us the resistance that the enemy has towards it. This morning, our son was in the emergency room with an asthma attack. He's okay, thankfully. But do you know what we named him? Eden. Because we want the legacy of our family to be the legacy of that God created something with a beautiful design. And we want to get back and help the church get back to that beautiful design because we believe when we get it, Muslims will come to Christ. Hindus will come to Christ. And so our boy named Eden for our family's legacy, he had trouble breathing this morning. And in Genesis 1 and 2, we see that God breathes air as the author of life into humanity and he is attacked because Satan hates the unity of male and female. He hates it. 
and therefore let you and I be the ones that make it right with the strength of the Holy Spirit. Years ago when our son was little, he could not get the rule in his mind that he was not supposed to run past our driveway unless he held our hand or unless he looked both left and right. He was about three years old. He could not learn the rule. One day we're driving home, and as we're driving home, we see a dead squirrel in our road. It was a puddle. Yeah, it was like, you know, dead. And he said, Mommy, that was a dead squirrel. I said, I know, sweetheart. And he said, Mommy, can we go park and go see the squirrel? I said, okay. So we park, and I take him, he's three, and I take my daughter, who's five, and I'm like, Jesus, I don't want to see a dead squirrel, but redeem this moment. And so we go up, and he looks down at that squirrel, and he says, Mommy, did the squirrel not look both ways? (laughs) I said, no, son, the squirrel did not look both ways. And he said, is the mommy looking at her baby on the road? I said, yes. He said, somewhere in a tree, the mommy's looking at her baby. And I said, "Mm mm-hmm. He said, just because he didn't look two ways? I said, "Mm mm-hmm. I I said, see, the things that we tell you as your mom and dad, it's not to hinder you from doing something that you want to do. It's not to keep you from having fun. It's because we love you. And we want to see you flourish. We want to see you live. And he said, okay, Mommy, I get it now. He never, ever has run across the road without looking both ways. You see, God's design, what he has created, is meant to not keep us from fun. It's actually to help us flourish. So the design that God gives in Genesis 1 and 2, in Genesis 1 specifically, as we've just read, it's not to cause us to see who's in charge, who has more power. It's actually to show us a strategy for blessing the world. And today we're going to talk about one of those verses specifically. And our prayer is that as you hear it, you will think on your own about ways it can be applied in your own life or in your own context or your own cultures. So as we look at the passage today, we know that God created us in his image, male and female in his image, right? We get to verse 27, and you wonder, now was this amazing cultural mandate given just to the man? Was it given just to the woman? Or was it given to both of them? What do you think? Both. And how do you know in the Hebrew? Because it uses plural pronouns. God blessed them and said to them. Oh, we should perk up our ears because God is about to speak his first words to people. Before that, he's conversing among the Trinity. So let us make, he's discussing, how are we going to do this? Let's do it in our image, okay. So then this is the first thing that he says to people. God blessed them and said to them. And then you can also know he's speaking to both of them because he uses plural Hebrew verbs. Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, rule over it. All end in the va. You know, that's the plural for the Hebrew. So you can know his plural Hebrew verbs, plural pronouns. This is significant because God is addressing humanity for the first time and telling us exactly what he wants us to do. If you ever wonder, what am I supposed to do? Here it is. That's it. Okay? So as we look at the first verb, we will go through the first first five verbs here. First word is para. Be fruitful. Okay? So, obviously, the first man and woman needed to make little humans in their own image and in the image of God, because we're all in the image of God. 
Now, spiritually, this means we're supposed to make disciples, right? We are supposed to not, we're not supposed to be infertile spiritually. We are supposed to reproduce after our own kind. Animals do make after their own kind, and people produce after their own kind. God has produced people in his image, and we are to then reproduce and multiply spiritually. That's the idea. And God commissions both the man and the woman. Now, can just one person para alone? And of course not. It takes both the man and the woman together, as God intended, coming together in a wonderful moment of joy to make little people procreating in their image, in the image of God. So this is what we see here, is that Satan does not want this to happen. Satan wants to pervert marriage. Satan wants to make no Christian fruitful in knowing how to make a disciple. And Satan wants to decease and kill life. He wants to increase death on the earth. One of the main ways he's decreasing death on the earth is abortion. 40 million people, 40 million babies lost their lives last year alone. Every year a global war takes place. In World War II, in six years, 50 million people died. Every year, 40 to 42 million babies are killed. The littlest image bears, and we call it women's rights. Today, 125,000 babies will lose their lives. You see, when Isaiah saw God on the throne, he said, holy, 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 and the holiness of God should impact the abortion debate. You see, the enemy wants to devour, kill, and destroy, and God gives life. Satan attacks the world daily through abortion. But when God's people say, no, men and women together are going to be fruitful, we are going to defend the littlest of God's image bearers. And we create things like maternity homes for women at risk, That was our maternity home in South Asia, and these are our first six babies who are alive today because of honoring the author of life. You see, God's theology is made practical immediately if you will allow it to be. Be fruitful. Defend the littlest. When you're defending the littlest, you are going against Satan, and you are walking hand in hand with God in the garden. God's littlest. It's not my right to take their lives. It's my responsibility to defend their lives. So let's para. Be fruitful. Be fruitful. Now we get to multiply. Now, God is not just saying the same, he's not just repeating the same verb five times. These are five distinct verbs, and they mean five distinct things. In fact, we could actually take this as a strategy for God's plan to fill the earth, right? This is actually a strategy. God gave us the plan and the strategy in the beginning, right? So, rabah is the second word, and it means multiply, increase in number. Now, what's the opposite of multiplication? Division, right? So, if God wants us to multiply, what does Satan want to do to us? He wants to divide us. In a math problem, what number goes on the top? What's it called? The numerator. What number goes in the bottom? Denominator. The thing that divides. And what do we call all of our church denominations? Our little divisions, right? What number should be on the bottom? One. 
right? There's one, if the, if the, denomina if the denominator is one, all is, that's the whole number, right? But if we have thousands of de denominations, then we have lots of division and disunity. This is what Satan wants. God wants us to be unified. In fact, on our wedding rings, we put John 17, 23. I and them, you and me, may they be brought to complete unity to let the world know. Jesus, in his high priestly prayer, John 17, knew that unity in the body of Christ, among men and women and the body of Christ, among nations, would result in the world knowing. That's what the purpose is here. So we were actually speaking at a seminary in Myanmar some years back among the Karen people. And the Karen are, have, a, have a high Christian population, and we were teaching a few seminars for a few, a few weeks there with them. And we gave them the challenge before we got there, your job is to share the gospel two times before class, before, cla before the lectures begin. So we got to class, and maybe one-third of the class had shared the gospel. We began giving testimonies. It was very encouraging. Got to the next to last day, and one guy who was like the laziest guy in class. Well, we finally said, we're not passing you if you don't share the gospel in your mission class. That's, that's what he was waiting for. You must share the gospel. He was, he was waiting for that threat. <laughs> you will not pass unless you go share the gospel. Maybe a professor should try that. So he said, okay. So that day he went out, and he found his friend in the Buddhist monastery. He said, oh, friend, I have a story to share with you. And the friend said, oh, let's gather around many people. 20 or 30 little monks were gathered around, and the lazy Karen guy shared the gospel with the entire Buddhist monastery. And they said, oh, he played a song on the guitar. They said, oh, this is wonderful. Can you come again? He said, yes, I can come again. He brought another guy with him. So they, he came the last day of class. He said, I was waiting for you to, to tell me I would fail, because why would I want to do it if I'm not going to fail? But now that I've seen I can do it, I'm going to go back. He was learning how to multiply, how to increase in number. The next one. The third verb we see is the word mala, and this is a word that means fill full. It means to take over all of it, to fill it to its fullest. There's no way you can fill full if you don't have males and females doing that. This means to take over all areas of society, fill all areas of society with the goodness of God. The medical field, the academics, the education, the public schools, everything. The garbage men, the firefighters, the police officers. Politics, politics military, everything. business. This word from God is saying, I don't want you to be separated all by yourself. I want you to feel full. And this is why the strategy of Ephesians 4 is he tells each of you preparing for ministry. It's not so that you can do the ministry. He says it's to equip the ministers to do the ministry. You are the equippers. You are the equippers telling people how to defend their faith, how to speak to their Muslim doctor friend. You are the one that God is saying, I need it to be all of you. The only way to, to fill full the earth is for all believers to be equipped and to be challenged and to be encouraged and to be empowered. It is male and female. That is God's strategy. When our, I don't know why we keep talking about our son. He's obviously, I, you know, I have the noodle brain, the female brain. So it keeps going back to, is he okay? We prayed it, okay? it before today. So it was yes, long. yes. And he, when he was seven, he said, I have to write the company called Bible Man. And I said, Y'all know Bible Man? Do you know Bible Man? Okay, well, he said, I have to write them. 
And I said, okay, write a letter. I don't know why write a letter. And I went and read it before I mailed it. And he said, there's a Bible man, and I like him. He fights the bad enemy. But I don't see Bible girl. She's always off the screen on a mission. But we never see what she does. Don't you know that women can also preach and fight the enemy? Love, Eden. <laughs> I was like, wow. I mailed it. We never heard from Bible man. But that was Eden at the age of seven saying, something's not filled up on this screen. Something's missing. And as a seven-year-old, he recognized it. We as adults, we've lost that childlike faith, but we have to say, God, bring us back to the wonder of the harmony in the design that you created. In one of the countries where we work, I won't name the nation, but as they began to go out, the men would go out to do literacy classes, but as they got there, most of the students were women. That doesn't work. So they then went and they got their wives, and on the motorcycles that our organization purchased, they would go out on motorcycles. Well, the men thought that the women, their wives there, would just allow them to do the work. But the men, the husbands began to hear the wives answer questions about God and teach literacy, and they began to see women give their lives to Christ. And the men said, my wife can do this too. Surprise. Their marriages improved. We had a theology teacher in this mobile seminary that we had in this unreached nation, and she had a passion. She couldn't drive the motorcycle because of the clothing that they wear in this nation. So there would be her husband, and he would go out on the motorcycle, and through that they had access to male and female. Feel full. Then in the same country, they realized that when they were doing baptism, they had women ready to be baptized, but then they saw it was a man that was going to baptize them, and they backed up. No. This is scandal. A man touching me when I'm wet? And then they realized that if they had a man and a woman stand there together, and a woman over to the side with a towel, the women lined up in an unreached, persecuted area to go into the water. Feel full. Use the strategies God's given. The design is given there for us to actually use. And it's bringing fruit for the Great Commission. The next word that we see on here is kabosh, and this is a word that means to subdue. 1 John 3, 8, one of our favorite verses, it says that Jesus came to destroy the enemy's work. Peaceful baby Jesus came to destroy. That's right. And I just love that part of Jesus. Because I've seen so much ugliness on the earth, and I am so thankful that Jesus hates it too. And I'm thankful that he sees the enemy and he has the final word. He had the final word. But in the battles that continue, he is telling each of us to subdue the enemy's work. Well, what does Satan do? He has men and women, even within the church, fight each other, exploit each other, use each other. Look at the statistics of pornography, and you'll find so many men in ministry are subduing women by the picture. This is the enemy's work. We glorify the holiness of God to say, I will honor the words of Genesis 1 by not subduing the other. I will subdue the enemy, and I will honor the other. That's the gospel power, and it's the message the world is needing to see. Trafficking that's happening so much in the world, 
including the United States. We worked in anti-trafficking for a little while in one of our nations, and one of the young women rescued at one of our border centers. She went into our recovery home. She became a follower of Jesus. She was discipled in that home. She learned a skill of how to be a, ta a tailor, to be a seamstress. She went home with a certificate that I am a seamstress. She began a company. And then we went to see her eight weeks later, and she said, come on in. And when she said that, all of a sudden people came from all of these different areas of her village and sat down, they sang songs, she read something out of the Bible, they discussed it, they talked about what it meant, they passed around a basket and people put in a handful of rice or a banana or some little bit of change. They talked to God. They had some time talking about what their needs were. And as we were about to leave, we said, what was that? And she said, oh, I just did what I learned in the recovery home. And we said, Krishna, do you realize you've started a church? And she said, oh, have I? The power of multiplication. Now she is a business owner. She employs other women. And she has started multiple house churches. She was subdued by Satan in the trafficking industry, but men and women worked together to rescue her, restored her, and sent her out to be God's change agent. It took men and women to do that together, for her life to be changed and for her people to be changed. Now, after we've been fruitful and multiplied, filled the earth, subdued it, we, take, we overcome the enemy, now what do we do? We rule. Christians are supposed to rule the earth to honor Christ. This is the word, rada. It means to rule. And who's supposed to rule? Just the females? Just the males? Again, plural Hebrew verb. You both, you all, are supposed to rule on the earth. Yes, we're to be humble. Jesus was humble. But he's also King of kings and Lord of lords. And we have to know the time for each. When are we supposed to be humble? and take the back seat? And when are we taking the lowest seat so that in time we can be brought to the front seat so that we can rule for the honor of Christ? Now this is a very tricky thing because if you demand to rule, God said I'm supposed to rule, so I'm supposed to rule. I'll give you an example of this. We all sat on the front row today. Well, in a certain South Asian nation, Les and I were going to preach. We were living there some years back. And we said, the pastor invited us to come to preach. And he said, now, Chad, when you preach, and I said, is it okay if we both preach together? And he said, how is this possible? You both stand up and your mouth move at the same time? I said, no, no, we go back and forth just as we partner together. He said, okay, well, Brother Chad, you can sit on the stage, but Leslie's a woman. She, can't, she cannot sit on the stage. She has to sit on the front row. I was like, so you have a choice. What would you do at the moment? I said, okay. I'll sit down with her also. He said, really? You don't want to sit on the stage? It's the place of honor. I said, no, I'll sit with my wife in the place of honor. He said, okay, well, when she comes up to preach, she cannot stand behind the pulpit. I said, okay, well, I will not stand behind the pulpit either. <laughs> so we put, our no so we put our notes and our Bible in the pulpit. Oh, yes, that's fine. Just don't stand by. She cannot stand behind the pulpit. So we, we did not demand our rights. We said, okay, we'll follow the, follow the custom. So we both sat down the front row, and we both stood up to preach, and we walked around as we normally do, and had the normal, normal, normal sermon. At the end, Leslie was flooded by women. 
Oh, sister, you're the first woman I've ever seen preach. I, I knew women could preach, but I've never seen one. Or the saddest one, I knew God called me to preach, but I've never had that chance. Brothers and sisters, God has given us the command to rule together to his honor. Now, that's the Old Testament passage. We sped through it. We could take a lot more time. Good news is, Jesus doesn't leave us hanging. Matthew 28, he says the same thing. The great commission in the beginning, be fruitful, fill up the earth, multiply, subdue it, rule over it. Jesus tells us, make disciples. Make little people that look like Jesus. That's be fruitful. Go to all nations, increase in number everywhere. Teach them everything, fill full every corner of the earth to obey my commands. Somebody's in charge, somebody's not in charge. That's subduing language, right? And then all authority in heaven and earth is given to me. I am with you always. That's language to rule with. In the beginning, God gave the perfect instruction, and at the conclusion of Matthew, he sends us out. And again, is the Great Commission just for men? Is the Great Commission just for women? Or is it for the entire body of Christ? And should we teach our people that if you're a believer in Jesus, you are to go, make disciples, baptize, teach. You are to be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, rule to the glory of Christ. This is the picture. I want you to see the bookends, and if we had much more time, we could do the chiasm. It's a beautiful chiasm where the beginning parallels the end and a high point in the middle. It's beautiful, much longer than today's sermon. But if you want to study, talk with us later. It's really fun. Leslie has a final illustration here. So the design, when we don't follow it, we're like the squirrel, splat. And we're kind of going splat in the world today, right? We need Jesus' models. He co-commissions male and female. Jesus commissions male and female in Matthew. See, Jesus' strategies, God's strategies, he's not ever subdued by Satan. This was his strategy at the beginning. This is the one he redeemed. So as missiologists, as practitioners, we practice it. We try to practice it. So we had a South Asian brother that we knew well, and we sent him a list of unengaged, unreached people groups of his nation. And we said, do you know any believers near these certain groups of your country? He said, this one right here, I know some believers kind of close. Maybe some brothers will go there and try to get a relationship with these people. Well, Chad was on the phone with him, and he said, well, brother, you know, in, in Genesis, it talks about men and women doing things together. And he said, could you send men and women out together? And he said, oh, we don't do that in our culture we protect the honor so we keep them at home. We keep women at home. And Chad said, okay, well, since the Bible had this strategy, I just thought I'd mention it, but just pray and see what y'all need to do. So the brother calls back in a few months and he said, actually, I've been stirred by this ver these verses in Genesis. And he said, I went to the church and we had some two brave couples and two singles say, we'll go to the people. Now, this was a staunch militant group against any outsiders. Really quickly, what happened is they go into this village, and as the village leaders see them, the men and women walking down, they pull out AK-47s, and they meet them on the like outskirts this. of the village. I, yeah, I don't know how to do it. <laughs> so. And as they are approaching, the believers are scared to death. 
I mean, like you would be. And then when they, the guys look and they see the women and they say, well, come on in. Women went with the women, men went with the women, and all day long they ate food, they drank tea, they found about the needs of the people. And at the very end, the village leader said, do you know why we let you come in? And they said, please tell us, we want to do the same strategy next time. And they said, when we saw your honor, your women, we realized you trusted us with your honor, so we decided to trust you with our honor. If it were to have just been men, we would have thought you were coming in and you might hurt the women here. But because we saw the women, we let you in. This strategy saved lives. Now there are the first believers in this unengaged, unreached people group, and the first school exists ever, and for the first time ever, girls are learning how to read. Years ago, our closing story, years ago, we were applying for a mission agency, and we were surrounded by all of these older men in their 60s. We were in our 20s. And they turned to me, and they began to drill me on every difficult passage in the Bible about women. We had studied it some. I felt like there was a telephone line between me and God saying, now they're going to Timothy. I mean, they were like in their 60s, and they were brilliant men. They weren't asking Chad anything. And Chad just sat there in his stoic way, and I could tell he was praying for me, but I was going like this to Jesus. And now they're going to Corinthians. Oh, now they're going to this, Jesus. And I just felt like the Lord was just giving me simple answers to big questions. And at one point, I remember in my spirit saying, Jesus, I am so tired. This went on for like over two hours. We didn't go with this agency, by the way. That's why we started 1040 Connection. Um, uh, just a side note, um, at the, towards, I didn't know it was towards the end, but I prayed to Jesus, and I said, I'm getting tired. Please let this be over soon. And I heard deep in my spirit, thank you. Did God just say thank you? And then I heard deep down, you are speaking on behalf of my crucifixion and resurrection. Keep going. The reconciliation that is needed today comes from God's design in Genesis 1. And when we are humble enough and strong enough in our dependence on the Holy Spirit, you and I can represent this on the earth. We don't need critical theory. We need Jesus. The design is perfect. Go into the world with God's strategy, with God's message, and don't go slowly. Go fast. Go fast. The world is waiting.